0: today is wednesday july 20th 2022 this is quick start from cbn news i'm dan andros will there be a climate emergency declared we'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a christian perspective you can help with that mission by subscribing to this podcast give us a rating share it with a friend all the fun stuff you know what to do now let's get through that news of the crate together joining me to help you get through it tragons phillips Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwear. Guys, it's hump day. We are halfway home. And you know what? I'm glad that I'm here. I
1: didn't go skiing. I'm here, even though I'm kind of on vacation. <laughs> you I've are the worst. All right,
0: Can we just pause and time out and just say you are the worst vacationer of all time. Billy is supposed to be on vacation. Hey, Dan, I'm going on vacation this week. All right, we'll see you, Billy. And he's just here all the time. He hasn't left. I uh, won't yeah. go
2: away. Yeah, <laughs> see, like that's it. That's yeah. a, a CBN fact check. True. True. That he is awful at vacation. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Coming up on the podcast today on the main thing, Stephen Curtis Chapman talks a little bit about the grief of losing a child and faith and everything related to that. So looking forward to that conversation. But first today, the headlines. An explosion rocked the Hoover Dam yesterday as tourists at the scene caught a giant plume of smoke heading skyward. Incredible video. You can see it over on CBNNews.com. Also on Faithwire.com as well. But officials said the fire was... Uh, put out before they arrived spokesperson doug Hendricks said all is okay now our fire suppression equipment plus our fire brigade quickly put the fire out no injuries and uh, we're continuing to generate hydropower on the other units a few days ago we talked about the outrageous case in which a bodega worker in manhattan was charged with murder and It appeared on video that he was the one that was attacked by an ex felon. Well, there's a good update there. The charges have been dropped. Jose Alba, 61, he was attacked earlier this month by 35 year old Austin Simon, and there was outrage that how in the world could this guy be the one charged? Looked pretty clear anyway by the video evidence uh, that he was just defending himself. So, looks like a good outcome there. Also, it's it's hot. I don't know if anyone's noticed this. It's, it's really hot out from Texas to Massachusetts. Americans are being warned to prepare for massive heat waves. I saw in Texas because I used to live in Dallas, and so I keep it on my weather thing. I don't know if you guys do that with your past locations, but just to make myself feel better, even when it's hot in the Northeast, I look at Texas. 110 yesterday. This heat is threatening power grids, and it could even drive up the price of beef. Uh, those are just some of the headlines happening today. You can check out those stories and more on CBNnews.com. But here's a story I want to take a little bit of a closer look at, guys. In light of all that heat, could we soon see the White House declaring a climate emergency? And what does that look like exactly? What would happen? Well, President Biden is in Massachusetts today to talk about climate change. Reports citing sources late yesterday said that Biden would stop short of declaring the emergency. The climate activists want him to do it. Other prominent Democrats want him to do it. They're urging him to do it. But apparently if the reports are true, he's not going to go ahead and do that. But what would be the significance of declaring emergency if it were eventually done? Well, similar to how things played out under COVID, declaring an emergency does give the federal government more power to act without consent of congress for example biden would be able to freely steer funding towards wind and solar projects it'd give him more power to do things like limit or stop fossil fuels by blocking oil and gas drilling halting crude oil exports and more and governor ron DeSantis earlier this week he hit back at biden he questioned the consistency of stopping the oil production here but going overseas and fist bumping with Saudi Arabia leaders in hopes of getting lower oil prices. He kind of pointed out, What what's the difference here? Whether we do it here or there. You're still you're still trying to get oil. May as well do it here at home. Trey, those who feared that politicians learn from COVID and might apply it to other issues could They have a a, a real legitimate gripe here, possibly, if indeed this emergency is declared.
2: I want to read a a pretty infamous quote. So uh, (laughs) Rahm Emanuel once said, "Uh, you never want a serious (laughs) crisis to go to waste. He said, what I mean by that is an opportunity to do things uh, that you didn't think you could do before. Uh, so I think we're kind of seeing that play out now. He said that, obviously, during the Obama administration. But I, I, I think we're seeing that play out. I, I, I feel like uh, conservatives now can have an I told you so Moment, uh, It's not to say that everything was a conspiracy and that every intention was nefarious, but governments historically, when they take power, they're not really that eager to give it back. Right. Uh, so I think, you know, even if it's for good reasons, for potentially, uh, you know, well-intentioned reasons, uh, if, if you're really a big climate believer, you think that this is a serious, serious emergency that we've got to do something on right this second. Wouldn't it seem pretty attractive to you if you've got all of these levers of power now that you created during COVID, to go ahead and start pulling those. Uh, so I I don't think it's that surprising uh, that that politicians are now kind of saying, well, we took all this power and they listened to us. So why not give it a go with this issue now? If you're trying to avoid
1: the the presumption that there is some sort of conspiracy theory, you might want to watch what you're saying and how you're saying it. It's remarkable to me that, and obviously I'm not advocating that there was a conspiracy. I'm just saying communications 101. Watch how you're talking about these things and also have some compassion for the fact that people are really deeply struggling to even pay for these basic things. It seems like there's just no awareness of the fact that those things are happening.
0: Yeah. And in some of these recent polls, too, people are not voting on this issue. They are voting on the economy. They're voting on gas prices. They're they're voting on that. I mean, primarily, particularly because inflation's so bad. People are paying still $4.50 a gallon for gas nationwide. Incredibly high numbers. And that is real pain for people. And so they don't want to hear about what the net emission level is going to be in 2050. Like, it's just an issue that's really not front and center for most people. But the activists have really made it feel that way. Well, a prominent coach has taken a big stand. Trey, who took this stand and... I would have to call this a bold stand because it's just not something you see a lot of prominent mainstream figures take really publicly.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's something nowadays, it's kind of like uh, the poison pill uh, <laughs> right. with with the mainstream media, at least. So uh, University of Michigan's football coach, coach Jim Harbaugh, uh, he did not mince words at all this past weekend uh, when he made his stance against abortion, like you just said, Dan, pretty crystal clear. Uh, so he was speaking during a Right to Life event in Plymouth, Michigan, uh, when he said, I believe in having the courage to let the unborn be born. I love life. I believe in having a loving care and respect for life and death. My faith and my science are what drives these beliefs in me. Uh, He went on to say that he has faith in the American people to ultimately develop the right policies and laws for all lives involved. He added that while there are many things uh, one may hold to be immoral, the government appropriately allows because of some greater good or personal or constitutional right. Abortion, he said, though, doesn't really fit into that framework. Uh, He said there are conflicts between the legitimate rights of a mother uh, and the rights of the unborn child. One resolution might involve incredible hardship for the mother, the family and society society, another results in the death of an unborn person. Uh, One of the other speakers at the event, Father John Ricardo, said believers are here for such a time as this he said, God could have created us to be alive in any moment in history, but he chose for us to be alive now in these critical days for us to make an impact not only in our country, but especially in our state. Obviously, Harbaugh's comments are pretty impactful, like you said, Dan, because it's coming from a pretty prominent person who's really sticking his neck out there, uh, being pretty open about his pro-life views. But obviously, it comes right after the Supreme Court's decision to reverse Roe. And it comes just several months before uh, the voters in Michigan are going to go to the ballot box uh, to decide whether to codify abortion rights into state law That'll happen this November. So uh, there's a lot of campaigning going on around the country, uh, but in in states like Michigan, it's it's even more heated. in a, a purple state where there's a lot of division. Uh, you know there's there's a lot of this conversation happening. and he's really sticking himself out there being willing to speak up about it. So kudos to him for for being willing to courageously, talk about his views
0: yeah absolutely and i I think the only evidence you really need to know that culture is inevitably skewed left is the fact that you don't see pro-life activism prominently displayed comfortably displayed by professional sports organizations by Businesses, you know, they just don't do it because it's it's not a safe thing to do. So kudos to Harbaugh here for for um, taking a stand.
1: Yeah, it just makes me think about the fact that you know that society has gone into the upside down chaos when doing the right thing is suddenly the thing that we're praising as though it's this rare crazy thing. When people talk about purity, when they speak out about just common sense things, and they're being praised as though they're aliens, you know that culture's kind of gone off the rails and so I always appreciate when people speak up in, in you know obviously on this topic but in arenas where it's difficult to do that and so it was pretty inspiring to to see that
0: yeah absolutely and um, he's not the only one taking a stand we've got another one a Christian author here is not backing down after getting fired for her faith and Billy we talked to Sophia Nelson on faith versus culture recently and she is not going away quietly after this incident
1: she's not and we talked about the incident last year but I'll give you a little refresh pressure on it. And then we'll kind of get into what she's saying here. But last year in October, DC Comics had announced on National Coming Out Day that they were going to be having a new superhero. And people may recall this superhero was the son of Superman and Lois Lane. It was going to be a boy who was bisexual and had a boyfriend. And they put this out there. And Sophia Nelson, well-known professor, author, she's been out there for years um, in the conservative and Christian space talking about faith. Um, she basically commented on the- on Twitter. And she was like, look, you know, what about parents? You know, what about Christian parents who don't want their kids exposed to this sort of thing? You're putting them in a bad position. They have to explain it to their kids. She put a tweet out, um, really with her perspective on it. And according to what she told us on Faith versus Culture, it was not received well. The situation went downhill quickly on the campus where she taught. Uh, she was a scholar in residence at Christopher Newport University in Virginia. She an- initially right away had people coming after her. She said there was one bisexual professor on campus who took this tweet that was, again, on Sophia Nelson's private Twitter account, um, which, which was public, but it was her ability to speak on that. She's been defending that. It was her First Amendment right. Um, Took that tweet, brought it into the university. She said that she was protested, that there was a petition to remove her, and that Sophia ultimately lost her position at the university. She talked about that that process of how difficult emotionally um, that was, and she was really heartbroken by the fact that students were hurt over this tweet. She said she apologized publicly to the students, not because she thought she did anything wrong, but because she's a professor and loved her students and wanted Wanted to open a dialogue. Unfortunately, that dialogue was not really opened. Um, she talked about the fact, and we know this very well, that in academia, you know, we're supposed to have academic freedom, open dialogue, discussion and debate, and that none of these things are really happening. And as she looks back at her own situation of essentially losing her position, she said that we're sending a message to young people that is very dif- difficult and dangerous, that if they don't like something they've heard, if they don't like a point of view, if they're feelings are hurt, that we've taught them that, quote, you destroy them, you take their reputation, you take their job, and you remove them. And then she said something, just as we kind of close out on the on this story here, that really stuck with me. She said, what kind of country are we going to be if this is what we're teaching the next generation? Mm. We failed them terribly. Um, last, last sort of comment here, and I think this is where we have to sort of know that the story's not over because she said that this matter has not concluded, that there will be legal repercussions. And we don't know what that's going to look like, but she's not backing down. She's going to fight back over what she faced in the fall.
0: She's right that the country is going in a direction now where intolerance, a lack of grace is the norm. It is what the younger generations are learning, that if you don't get your way, you need to just delete the person you disagree with out of society. Clearly an unhealthy way to go and clearly not a Christian way to go. We, we need to Extend grace to people. Show people how grace works because grace has first been given to us. And that's a lost art in society today, and one that we desperately need to bring back,
2: yeah, for sure. And look, i I'm a fan of of higher education. I support people you know getting their college degrees and getting postgraduate degrees, all that kind of stuff. But I, you cannot but think that if debate and discussion and disagreement is, anathema in the college setting, if it's a problem in an educational setting, I, I kind of understand why people are increasingly turned off by it. It's like, so I can't debate and have disagreement in school where I'm supposed to be learning, Where can I have disagreement? It it should be completely welcome in the classroom. That should be where you're the safest. We talk about safe spaces. Uh, A college classroom should be the safest place uh, to have debate and disagreement and to flesh all that out together. Uh, So I think all of us, regardless of your political persuasion should be bothered by the fact that increasingly it's not okay to have different ideas in the classroom of all places
0: a hundred percent i mean that's what america is built on differing ideas learning to get along with one another and uh americans
2: institutions are the first and
0: foremost place for that or they were so hopefully uh hopefully they're able to stand their ground and continue that tradition all right guys thanks for those stories now it's time for our main thing today and we talked to stephen curtis chapman popular christian singer who's talking about grief and his loss of a child and how they've dealt with that and their faith and a whole lot more on today's main
2: thing. Enduring grief of any kind and particularly the loss of a child is profoundly difficult. I've spoken to parents who've lost children and even my own father lost one of his daughters at a young age. The pain is nearly unbearable. One of the most prominent Christian figures to endure such a loss is Stephen Curtis Chapman. More than a dozen years ago, he lost his then five-year-old daughter, Maria Sue, who was tragically struck by a vehicle being driven by one of his other children. We recently spoke with Stephen Curtis about enduring such a horrific incident, how it shaped and challenged his faith and relationships, and what it's been like to walk through such a tragic journey in front of the world.
3: Well, I mean, for, for me and my family and I really have made decisions you know, along the way to do that. And, and because it's been, especially with things like the lo- you know, losing our daughter and, and the grief of that and everything I, we had to know as a family that this was a decision we'd make together. Cause when I'm sharing my story, I'm really sharing my family's story. I'm sharing my wife, you know, my wife's journey alongside me. Um, and so it's been a decision that we've made together, but it really has been also just, I feel like it's part of what the calling has been. Um, as I look at, you know, Scripture, what encourages me the most in the lives of followers of, you know, of Jesus and, and God followers all the way back to the Old Testament, it's not been so much when they had it figured out or when they really understood and knew. What I've been most encouraged by in my faith journey have been the stories of, you know, you know King David You know, struggling and with you know doubt and fear and how long, O Lord, are you going to forget me forever? You know those places in the Psalms, or even you know the Apostle Paul talking about you know my I am weak, but He is strong, or the story of Peter you know walking on the water. It's not just the story of him. Man, he walked on the water. What I'm encouraged by is the fact that he sank and he took his eyes off Jesus and he freaked out and he you know he feared and then and and Jesus you know. Pulled him up and 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 he learned from that process. I'm so glad that God didn't edit out those vulnerable places in the lives of even in his followers in Scripture. In fact, He let some of those most vulnerable, even failures, be you know written in the right into the story, and that gives such encouragement to me. So I think even as I've had this platform and this opportunity, you know, it's been very important that I stay very honest um and and that's really the only thing I have to offer anyway you know is just the honesty through my music and my songs from the very beginning you know my first album you can hear you know my first song sent to radio actually was a song called Weekdays, weak days w e a k days talking about you know I am when I'm weak he is strong and so you know I'm going to acknowledge that so I think it's been you know all throughout the process for me just important, you know, part of that to to just be honest and and vulnerable um, so that others can be encouraged by that.
2: He also told us about some of his new music. He shared the motivation behind his new single, Still, a song about God's faithfulness regardless of what we might endure in this
3: life there are things with what we have walked through as a world as a nation as a church in the last two or three years with a global pandemic what i've gone through personally you know the last 14 years since we lost our youngest daughter and that grief journey for us and that journey of faith how that's been impacted it's like those are all things that i feel like i i need to i have some things i still want to say and some things that feel really important. So I'm going to write these songs from that place. And so the the one of the first songs that sort of came out of that was just this thing of saying, you know, I've been on this journey for a long time. And as the song says, you know, it started when I was a kid and had this just wonder of God saying, come follow me, Jesus saying, come follow me, we're going to go on this great adventure. I had no way of knowing it was going to, the mountains were going to be so high, the valleys are going to be so deep. And as I say, even in the song, you know, I have wrestled, uh, I have rested, I've trusted, I've tested God's patience. It's been beautiful. It's been terrible. It's been wonderful. It's been more painful. It's been, you know, it's been all of those things. And yet, here's the bottom line. God has been faithful still. And God has, has, um, He's been good still, even when life has not been... And so I still want to sing about that, you know, and I'm still a work in progress and I'm still learning and I'm still growing and God is still good and still faithful. So that word still just became so special to me. And I thought, I really, I want to write a song by that title and just talk about all those things because God is still faithful.
2: We spoke all about that and so much more during our conversation with Stephen Curtis, including his role in a new Disney Plus movie, the story behind how that happened is pretty cool. You'll be able to hear our full conversation on this week's episode of the Prodigal Stories podcast from CBN's Faithwire, co-hosted by me, Trey phillips and Billy Halliwell. All
0: right. Thank you for that conversation. We'll definitely check out the rest of it over on the YouTube channel. And that leaves us with time for one last thing. And this is an incredible story about a pizza delivery man in Indiana and an insane act of heroism. Nicholas Bostic, who's 25, he ran into a burning building not once but twice to save five people, including a child with whom he jumped out of the second story window. And then the video picks up and you can see him carrying this child and he suffered severe burns. But guys, the best part about this story to me is that, uh, aside from his heroism, is that the GoFundMe went nuts. I mean, people just so appreciated this. The last time I checked, it was closing in on $300,000 for this man because he got all these injuries from going in and risking his own life. Amazing stuff.
1: That's the kind of stuff we love to see. There's so much negative. We need more of these rescue stories. You know I love them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, and praise God that he was in the right place at the right time, right? This is a miracle story, truly, because he could have been anywhere, but he was right there, and he was able to do it, and he was brave enough to do it. So, awesome story.
0: Yeah, and he's, and you can hear him when he's sitting on the the ground there he's clearly hurting and in a lot of pain and he's asking if the baby's okay if the baby's okay so and a total stranger just amazing stuff amazing stuff love to see it and obviously it's resonating with people because they're donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to him so good for him good for him deserves it a hero so all right that's all the time we have for this episode of the podcast as always head on over to cbnnews.com faithwire.com for more news from a christian perspective god bless see you back here tomorrow